welcome to another sustainablewineblog.com podcast with me, Toby Webb. And I'm delighted that joining me in this podcast is Martin Sparkans, who is owner, founder here at Above Us. And this is an unusual podcast because this is the furthest north I've ever interviewed anyone about wine. So, Martin, why don't you tell our listeners where we are? Well, we are in Latvia. Uh, well, it's just on the 57th parallel of north. So way above uh, the uh, traditional wine regions. The, so and we are trying to grow grapes, but actually we are quite exceeding with making apple uh, drinks. So, so that's uh, that's very short. We are the largest uh, small winery in our country, and uh, but it all all started with a honeymoon to Tuscany, where we decided, hey, let's grow grapes back home, and you know that's why you're here. Yes, to find out. How that's going and we first met three years ago uh, when you told me that you could grow grapes but you couldn't make wine and that's changed now I think hasn't it? Well I think it's still still a, a big question mark uh, of economic uh, feasibility of what I do but uh, I treat it as a, an exp- expensive but passionate hobby and when some of my friends uh, drive expensive cars for the rally races and crashes them, so I say, hey, I'm, I'm growing grapes and not always having a good harvest. You know, that's kind of similar. So um, uh, what, we tr- what we try to do is uh, to figure out if, if there's a chance uh, to make a decent wine uh, out of locally grown grapes. Um, our, our family and myself, we have quite high standards in, in, in the wine world and uh, uh, you know, understanding what is good wine, what is bad wine. So in that sense, when we talk good wine, then we really want to do a, a top class wine uh, for, you know, where the best restaurants in our country would serve it. You know, that's kind of our goal. And um, uh, in 2010, we planted uh, our first vineyard. Now we have expanded a little bit more. Altogether, we have now three and a half hectares of grapes under development. And, um, well, but we planted, I call it a zoo. So in, in 2010, we planted 40 different varieties. And that's not a normal uh, vineyard for wine production. It's, it's a laboratory. Uh, so um, I had to, uh, well, first of, first of all, uh, we had to figure out which varieties survive, survive our winters. And sometimes we do get minus 30 degrees Celsius, you know, in, in the wintertime, which is, you know, you tell anybody in, in the wine community, you have minus 30, uh, you know, so it's not possible, you know, how can you do it? Um, then the second factor, you have to keep in mind that we have relatively cool and short summers, and some of, the, of them uh, have been rather wet and cool, like extreme cool, like 2017 was really, there was no summer. Uh, well, but then we can have a more woman and more pleasant ones. And uh, well, and then it's a question whether the grapes who survive first of those two extreme are any good for wine. And uh, when I planted the vineyard, basically I can divide uh, my vineyard in three uh, parts. If we look at the grape variety list. The first part is, is a pure Vitis vinifera grapes, uh, so the traditional wine grapes grown all over the wine world and uh, and the most cold hardy ones, uh, like uh, Chardonnay, like Pinot Noir, like uh, Zweigelt or Pinot Gris or uh, Riesling, and you know, I, I planted all of them. Uh, seven, year, seven years later, all of them are gone. They're not anymore in my vineyard. They just can't survive the uh, the winter. They 
can barely survive, but there's a you know a big big fatality rate. So you know you get um, 50 40 percent left after three or four winters. That's not really an economic way of growing grapes. You know mm. you can still maybe you know, protect some of them and, and get them through the winter, but in a, in a bigger picture, it's it's and then also it's a question of uh, fruit ripening in the summer. Uh, so yeah, so far you know it's not been successful. So you've moved on to other varietals. Which are the ones yeah, you're using? Yeah, so the, now? the group number two, uh, where you can actually you know you can grow uh, very easy in our uh, in our climate is uh, grapes which come from other other family of grapes. Whether it's a North American family of grapes, mostly uh, Vitis labrusca family, or Far East family of grapes uh, like Vitis amaurensis or similar families. And we do do have quite a few varieties out of these families, but uh, and they survive winter with with ease. They can produce quite a lot of crop during the the, the short summer. Uh, you can get enough sugar levels, but you, then you but you generally are dealing with very unusual flavors and tastes and aromas in in your on your in your glass. And that is a second question, you know, in a, which we have to solve. Can can we actually enjoy the drinking the wine which we have not used to? You know, that's that's a question. Yeah, because it's an entirely unique flavor yeah. profile. Then yeah. nobody's got anything to compare it to. They're not sure if they like it. I guess. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. that's a, a bit of a philosophical question. You know, what is, you know, what what are our standards in wine? What are our standards in beauty? What are our standards in taste? Uh, but somehow, you know, we influence each other and we try to keep to certain standards and one world is relatively conservative you know very structured you get all these sommelier courses and all the certification systems how you describe the wine how to analyze it and so on so uh, if you grow grapes which have zero vitis vinifera blood in it so that which don't have from the traditional uh, grape family you yeah you're out of the box totally so how, how come they have no relation to Sorry, I don't understand. Am I missing something? Yeah. Well, no. It's uh, you know, it's uh, it's biology. First of all, uh, well, all the 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 species of grapes they have this one uh, Latin name which describes all grapes in the world. It's which is vitis, vitis. Hmm. But then, like in in the in the, any other you know system of plants and and uh, and also in uh, animal world or whatever, you have different families of things which are similar to each other. Uh, mainly uh, de defined by geography, and the Vitis vinifera family of grapes have developed itself in a south, uh, you know, Mediterranean region, the Europe. Okay, there are Georgians claiming to be the the, the mm -hmm. first, uh, you know, birthplace of the grape wine. Then there are Armenians and Greeks, whatever. But <coughs> Vitis vinifera uh, grape family has originated somewhere in the southern uh, Europe or Mediterranean area, or mm -hmm. you know, maybe Caucasus, but. So it's a it's a geographically uh, uh, still closed uh, area, and uh, I read a recent survey that and uh, if you if you analyze genetically most of the common grape varieties what is used for uh, winemaking nowadays, well the most popular ones they're all relatives they're all mm -hmm. they're you know, used to that they're used to that warmer climate yeah so. cousins and sisters but ge genetically that's one family. Mm -hmm. But if you look at, at, at uh, the grapes you can find, in, for example, in North America, which was discovered only you know, a few hundred years ago, uh, people found their 
are also grapes. And that's another grape family. They're still grapes. They, you can still call it Vitis, but it's a different family. So that's okay. different, different genetics. Mm -hmm. And also different taste profile and aromatic profile. So, uh, you know, that's how you end up with, uh, you know, something out of the box from the traditional wine grower. And that's my second group. I do have quite a lot of varieties which don't fit, uh, which have zero Vitis vinifera blood in it. Mm -hmm. And the third group, which is probably the most promising one, are hybrids. Uh, the grape varieties where uh, they have some blood or some genes from Vitis vinifera, but they have been crossed with other, other families. And uh, one of the most promising one is uh, Solaris grape. Mm -hmm. uh, Solaris is, I don't know, 85% or 90% or Vitis vinifera, but grandmother had an affair with a guy from Far East, <laughs> we can call it this way, and uh, so that uh, her noble pedigree has been mixed up a little bit, and it, it was done by a German uh, research institute to improve um, the resistance against this, uh, the typical common uh, grapevine diseases. And a side effect of this, you know, pedigree, you know, mix-up uh, is uh, they're also more cold, uh, cold hardy. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's much more easier to grow them in. Uh, it's not a, 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 not a so super easy like totally non-Vitis vinifera grapes. Yeah. But you can still get them through the winter, and you can still get them, you know, good enough quality crop in the summer. So if 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 I if I have to give one advice for a new um, you know, future winemaker in our region, I would, I would say, grow Solaris. That's just one, and okay, it will not be 100% ripe. Maybe in every summer, mm -hmm. you will probably have the best years, and then maybe the, some off years. Maybe we will not guarantee you crop every every single year, but still, you get a wine which has uh, which fits into a traditional uh, understanding what the gra uh, grape wine should taste like and smell yeah. like. It's something that if people don't know the grape they could recognize it as a wine they might like. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, so, so in 2015 and just after I first met yeah. you you had that harvest of Solaris I think it was. Yeah, well, and you it, made was you said you made 400 bottles yeah, or something that's, like that. That's that's true. Describe for us that process that harvest and also what does that wine what I know it's all gone now yeah, but well, what did that wine taste like? How would you describe it? Well, first, first of all, 2015, we planted vineyard in 2010. So, okay, we, we had a slow start. We didn't do anything, uh, something not quite right on the, from the day one. We were still learning. So we maybe lost a year in the process. So normally I would, I would be looking for a full, 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 uh, full harvest at uh, maybe year 2014. But for us, it was 2015. So we, we harvested about five tons of grapes from 1.5 hectares here which is a relatively significant amount of grapes, but divided between 40 different varieties, and you have a little bit of that, a little bit of this, and, and so on. So it's more like an experiment. And um, uh, Solaris was uh, actually quite economical uh, harvest, considering we only had 400 plants uh, planted in 2010, and it produced roughly, uh, roughly, I can say, a bottle per, per plant, which is already uh, you know, sense, sensible, uh, you know, economic. That's, I mean, that's not bad. I mean, it's a, not bad. A good, a good, well-managed vineyard, you know, producing decent yeah. wine yeah. Will, will do a sort of bottle of wine, is what they say in, uh, in France, for example. Well, that's a... You know, if it's low yield... Yeah, it's low, you know, if, if like, it's low yield, uh, you know, industrial standard would be four, four bottles uh, per, per plant, but yeah. nevertheless, it's, it's, we're not talking about, you know, 
uh, bottle per 10 plants here, yes. you know, so which yeah. would be probably unsustainable financially. Mm -hmm. So uh, it produced enough uh, crop from these 400 plants and, and, and uh, we did the, the classical white wine fermentation it. And uh, if, if, if we have to compare it, okay, the, the 2015 was rather cold summer. So it was not the full ripen. We did have enough sugar to have 11% alcohol uh, in it, but the acidity was still high. Mm -hmm. And we didn't decided not to do anything about it, which maybe was a mistake a little bit, but uh, but you can, there's a lot of winemaking tricks how you can deal with acidity, but there's also risks involved if you mess up wrongly, then you, you can- You mean sugar? You, no, uh, we, I mean deacidification process, okay. which, means you add some uh, chalk basically to the, okay. to the part of the, the wine which acidifies and then you blend it back so it's and we'll not go into all the secret details how German Riesling has been uh, made for 100 years <laughs> to, using chalk. You know, you know, you know, okay. and so on but uh, it's there are there are tricks and possibilities to, right. to deal with it. But you, didn't, you didn't do that? We didn't do that because okay. we decided okay we, we, we are risking to to lose the flavors and aromas so we at the end we had relatively high acidity wine mm -hmm. uh, but what is fantastic uh, about uh, Solaris it's, it's it has a really fruity I would a lot of people describe it as a Sauvignon type uh, aroma profile mm -hmm. uh, with with a decent uh, decent body and uh, something between Sauvignon and Riesling. What you so you get some stone fruit in there? How would you what would you describe? Yeah, well, aromatics. Yeah, it's probably about uh, a currant, a little bit maybe of gooseberries, but a little bit of a uh, black currant. Um, uh, the the green part of black currant. Mm -hmm. Bush, things like that. You okay. can you can get very very decent, very nice aromatic profile, you know. So uh, and that was really recognized by quite a few local sommeliers who finally said, "Hey, that's finally something not strange," you know. Yeah. And this is, I think, what you have to deal with uh, if you're you know venturing into the world of unknown, uh, which means the northern viticulture. Uh, then uh, you know you can be doing. A lot of you know wine, but which probably classifies as strange. It can be drinkable, but strange. Yeah. Or you can you know try to fit into into the box of or into the world of, of you know traditional wine experts. So for that reason, probably Solar is a good good solution. And uh, then we also have made some blends from other grapes, and and, and we currently are, are also still have few few hundred bottles left from. Um, uh, the local and northern grape varieties, which uh, which have much more different uh, aromatic profiles and uh, taste profiles, still good drink. But uh, you have to know the story before you really understand it and appreciate. The, so they're, they're local grapes. What are the names of those grapes? Um, well, in in Latvian context, uh, we well, if we go back a little bit in the history, we had um, uh, actually three guys. Uh, Unfortunately, they're now all dead, but uh, who have uh, have devoted their lives into grape breeding, which is you know you have to really love it because you you might never achieve anything, but it takes you tens of years until you achieve something. So it's really you have to be very passionate. And and we had a one of the grape breeders was Paul's Paul's Sukatniks. Uh, he he worked and experimented in I think in fifties and sixties uh, last century. And um, 
uh, his uh, aim was not to produce uh, the wine grapes. Uh, he was just wanted to have uh, grapes which which we could easily grow in our. Uh, you know, he was not thinking about wine. He was just thinking about how we can survive the grapes in our, our climate. So basically, he was using the the mother plants. Uh, I think from some North American uh, origin, and then crossing them with some other types species. So he came up with about. 14 or 15 varieties which are quite locally quite known. A lot of people grow them as a table grape or mm -hmm. at their country home and uh, as a small yard. But, uh, Maybe whites or reds uh, as well? Both, whites and reds. And uh, yeah, and actually one of the most successful of his uh, varieties is a red grape called Zilga. Mm. Well, uh, we just tasted some of your yeah, Zilga. Yeah, we, um, we, we tasted the the, the Pragola wine, which mm -hmm. I call Pragola because the Zilga comes with a lot of wild strawberry taste and aromas, which we already have as a blend in a bottle. And then we tasted from last year some, some work in progress uh, as well. And that's, that's where you get this, uh, you know, all about wild strawberries taste. So we tasted your uh, Zilga, um, which was, I thought was interesting. It has potential. Yeah. Um, and then the other grape we tried, uh, tell us about that. Well, uh, you know, as I said, we have a lot of grapes to, 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 to probably to experiment with, but uh, there's one variety uh, which is called Valiant, uh, which is North American grape. Uh, really very strong, very hardy, very grows like a weed. You just plant it and it just overtakes everything. So if you want to have a pergola or, you know, <laughs> roof covered in grapevine, plant That's Valiant. You yeah, you can, it's, it's just... Minus 30 is not a problem, not an issue. It's a red grape, uh, small clusters, and it has very distinct, this wild strawberry and a little bit of cherry uh, profile. Uh, acidity is still high. You have to deal with acidity in the north yeah. always. I thought it was a sort of acidic, very punchy sort of Pinot Noir type Yeah, it could, could be, um, yeah, but, but we, you know, one of the first harvests for us, and especially with the red grapes, it takes much more time to understand mm. how it develops on its own, how it develops in the barrel. Yeah. You know, so, you know, there's a very, very, you know, learning curve is not, not it's, very steep. It's longer. Yeah, it's and longer. What, and so that, that vintage we tasted, just tell us what that, that was. That was 2017. Which, 2017. Which was terrible year for all the, you know, all fruit growers in our region, not just the grapes. It was extremely bad summer. Uh, but this particular grape still managed to produce fruit, which was a good sign. Uh, the acidity was sky high, that's of course, uh, in, in the bad summers, but uh, you know, you still get some, some essence of it. And uh, you know, we experimented a little bit with a thermal vinification. Uh, that's where you heat up the grapes uh, after the harvest, up to 60 uh, degrees Celsius, and then you do a quick extraction. You don't leave them on, on, on skins like a traditional uh, process with red grapes. You get like extracted aromas and flavors and then do the normal fermentation but um, you know it's just one of the experiments we'll be doing and why, why would you use that process that up to 60 degrees and a quick you know, extraction that's, of that's, and that's, that is one of technologies people do and uh, you know sometimes in the wine, wine world we just decided let's 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 see, see what, what happens. happens see what happens because my colleague um, you know, our chief winemaker decided that hey this he's read about it you know, this might be a you know better way how to preserve 
the flavors in a, in a, in a berries instead of leaving them on a skin, especially mm -hmm. after the bad, you know, on low quality uh, harvest. So yeah. Get out of it what it has and, and, you know, deal with this. That was kind of his approach. And I think that was an interesting approach. And it's, uh, there, we might have something out of this harvest, although it's only 300 liters, which is, you know, ridiculously small amount, we can still maybe have a, a, a barrique of yeah. valiant wine, maybe after some two or three yeah, years. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see what happens yeah. with that after a couple of years yeah. in French oak, yeah. just yeah. to smooth it out yeah. a bit. Yeah. It, it could end up being quite drinkable. Yeah. And so if you have a good 2018, and so far it's been an incredible spring right here in Latvia, well, you could end up making some quite good Vintage 2018, Valiant, and yeah, well, the other, and the if, other groups as well. Uh, if the future summers would be like 2018, we are going, you know, we are going champagne. You know, <laughs> that's for sure. But uh, because we had the, the most warm May in history of our, you know, record taking, you know, mm. so we still have the most dry probably June already uh, for uh, half of June since we are sitting here. So last 45 days, we had seen barely any rain, which is a disaster for general uh, agriculture. But for the grapes, they are quite used to, you know, dry and hot conditions. So mm. grapes are having a huge party. We did have a flowering already end of the May, which has never happened before, before end of the June. So a month earlier for flowering. A month earlier for flowering. Wow. We already have a cluster formation going on and it's still middle of June. Well, all last two summers, we had barely saw our first flowers somewhere 24th, 26th of June, you know, so, wow. so it's, it's, we are months ahead. And uh, if keeping fingers crossed, we passed our uh, last week, we had our last spring frost, which didn't hit us. A few kilometers away from our vineyard, we had minus three. No, and that was when? Uh, ten days ago. Ten days ago. Okay. Yeah. Or even even not to ten days. It's seven days ago. So it was beginning of June. Mm. Uh, minus three would have killed everything we had, uh, but we had zero point five in our vineyard. So you survived. We survived. So it was like an, on the knife's edge, but we survived. Yeah. So that's a really uh, big joy, and um, you know. So we now looking forward to, to, to see how grapes develop. See and, what happens. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're probably going to have finally a good harvest of Solaris. Mm -hmm. uh, we're probably going to have a good harvest of uh, Zigareba, which is another, actually the only Vitis vinifera grape I, I still have in my vineyard, which is a low yield, low cropping grape, but still makes very aromatic grapes. We had one, one small batch a few years ago, I fell in love with that, so I tried to repeat it. And for the other grapes, it's just, you know, we'll, we'll finally get all the results out. So if you have a good 2018, you've got lots more wines to play with and see what happens yeah. in the experiment. Yeah. So I guess the challenge for you is going to be consistency, because, you know, you have, you have a consistent fruit drink business. You know, sure. you've had your delicious cider. Yeah. Yeah, you make your famous sparkling rhubarb, which is well known in Latvia, yeah. which is what I recommend to any, any listener if they come here to try but those those you have consistent harvests of rhubarb, consistent harvests sure. of apple. Yeah. Your your big challenge, I suppose, if you want to build a wine business as opposed to just experiment, is that consistency. Sure, uh, I, I, no, no, I, I believe the consistency is probably not here uh, for you know coming 50, 60 years. Uh, climate change, <laughs> does climate I, change factor I, into I, your I, thinking? Uh, yeah, I'm, that's that's what I'm talking about because mm -hmm. I, I, I 
you know, I'm an optimist, and, and you know, if I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doing this. But, but uh, you know, it's not gonna happen uh, early and fast and so on. So you probably you have to probably consider that there might be one good year and then maybe three or four bad years and yeah. then maybe another one good year, and and you have to you know and okay that's why we are we have built a successful apples and, and fruit wines and rhubarb and whatever else we're using. Uh, Fruit wine business and cider business, which which helps us to you know yeah. keep it funds your experimentation. Yeah, yeah. and a, a lot of winemakers I've met have noticed volatility in weather increasing in the last ten or fifteen years. Mm-hmm. This is what they say. Yeah, have you noticed that volatility as well in, in increasing? Well, look at this May. It's the most hottest May in our history, which should not have been. And then we had the 2017, which was one of the coldest summer in our history. So that's that's here's the world. Okay, good Speak, example. Speaks for itself. Yeah, and uh, you know, well, of course, we 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 live close to the sea, and we have maritime climate. So generally, we are used to ever changing conditions. Mm. You can have you know sunshine one day, rain another day, and and it can continue. Um, sometimes uh, people talk about. Uh, you know challenges in winemaking in cold climate, but uh, there's a lot of more continental cold climate uh, wine regions in the world where you know okay they have cold winters, but they have consistent cold winters. Yeah, uh, they have. Uh, in Canada, for example, you've yeah. got a sort of bigger land mass. Sure. Yeah. yeah, you get more consistent weather. Sure. Enough, don't you? Yeah. Sure. You can. You can. You can have a cold winter, but then you have also the snow cover, which helps a lot for. For the uh, for the mm-hmm. grapes to survive the winter, it's in, it insulates. Uh, do you have to bury the vines? What are you? Yes. How deep? I mean, how do you uh, do that? You sort of push them down and cover them with earth. Yeah. Well, first of all, we we train them not the traditional training system where you you have your all your um, your trellis. Uh, the, yeah, the trellis is up high and, mm-hmm. and so on. We train them with low head training. Mm-hmm. So basically, all the um, canes comes from the, the, the low lying head. Mm-hmm. We have multiple trunks which allow as a reserve uh, reserves for injuries if they happen. And uh, the younger the trunk, it's easier to also to bend it and, and, and tie it down, uh, pin it down to the ground. Mm-hmm. Then we use a tractor to cover it with the soil. Mm-hmm. So pretty much this is one way how we do it. Um, there are a lot of different systems or attempts in the world how you can do it, but this is one of the for us, it's economically somehow doable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've seen winemakers in North, uh, in uh, Quebec, who, who use some geotextiles to, to, to tie around the, the, mm-hmm. the vines and so on. So, you, you know, there's a lot of ways how you can try to protect the, the grapes from winter. But okay. if you have consistent uh, winters with the snow, that's very good uh, good way how to protect the, the, the wines. Mm. Us, winter between 2016 and 2017. 17, we counted 45 days where there was minus in the night and plus in the day. And for wine as a biological organism, mm. for grapevine, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's something like, like if you're humans, like, wake up, yeah. go to sleep, wake up, go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. The fluctuation, so it does, doesn't see them. Doesn't. They prefer to hibernate properly like a tortoise or something. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and that's, that's kind of, Takes you out of the, the hibernation and goes back. Okay, it's all yeah, yeah. Back. That's, that's not good for you. That's not good. Is it? That's yeah. not good. And that's is part okay. of our you know climate uh, challenge. Challenge, yeah. challenge, yeah. Which uh, you know you never know. 
What about putting a sort of greenhouse over the top of them or something? Would that help? Green, you, greenhouse you doesn't. Do no, it's it's not. Well, then you have to heat it for from yeah. winter. It's pretty expensive. Then, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's already expensive. So it's yeah, exactly. Not, it's already a labour of no, love. No, no, no. So um, let's say twenty eighteen carries on like this. Yeah. That's going to be good for your. Wine, yeah. if not good for your other fruits, yeah. uh, if not good for your main cash flow. Um, well, actually, the apple harvest will probably going to be low because of the dry, dry uh, conditions yeah. we're having. The apple trees are actually uh, dropping the fruit at not the moment. Enough water. So, that, but let's say it carries on well for the wine side of things. Mm -hmm. When, if I want to come back and uh, see you during the harvest, when's the harvest likely to be? Do you think? Well, usually we have harvested uh, the very end of September. That's we try to squeeze as as many. S you know, sunshine days as possible out of the season, mm. but in our climate, uh, you don't get any much more uh, growth or, or ripening uh, as you go into October. Yeah, because the average mean temperature here drops five degrees between August and September. Yeah, well, it? It's quite a big drop. Yeah, as, 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 as soon as averages go below 10, there's no, there's no actually there's any no process ripening happening, yeah, happening any, uh, anything. Okay. So, um, Basically, if you look at the you know at the general traditional wine regions, uh, well, cool climate wine regions, let's say in Germany or north of France or so, we're losing about two three weeks in the spring and about two weeks in yeah. the in the autumn. So we have to do it in much everything yeah. in much shorter times, but we do have a longer days. Of course, yeah, and, because and I mean, here at the moment, it's not even getting dark until what, 10 p.m., yeah, 11 yeah. p.m. In, in the and, height of and summer. And that yeah. is, and grapes have a possibility to use every sunshine minute, uh, I hadn't which, thought of which, that. which is, so that is a yeah. little bit compensating because we, you have a little bit faster growth yeah. when it's sunshine. Hmm. And uh, actually, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Stephen Skelton and uh, the, the famous, uh, you know, wine explorer and scientist and, and writer and, you know, master of wine in England. And he's written a fantastic book called, uh, uh, you know, UK Vineyard Guide and the History of English Wine and so mm. on. So if I if I go through the book and and I try to understand, you know, how long it has taken for English wine to to develop into a, a business, into a, you know a product, into a concept, into a recognition, into mm. a success story, which I believe it is, at the moment, you know, sixty years. Yeah, since the first uh, you know guys who thought maybe it's possible, they mm. decided to, to give it a try, with all the errors on on the choosing the right varieties and finding the right spots yeah. and tr finding the ways and so. On. And you guys don't even you don't have even a winter problem. You know, you just have a bad no, summer well, problem. We have a downy mildew problem. Yeah, and we yeah, have sure. a rain yeah. problem and well, a mush you know, problem, yeah. and I guess yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but yes, you, we don't have those incredible yes. winters. Yeah, you well, have, minus two is national disaster. Schools are closed. <laughs> exactly. You know, and everybody <laughs> laughing about you know UK, but you know that's a, yeah. a different story. So, but uh, it's uh, you know, and we have had once a telephone chat with with Mr. Scotton uh, about all this, and he also brought up this question. You know, he was so enthusiastic about you know what what we we've been doing here, and and he said, okay, guys, yeah, look at some varieties you might try. I still haven't tried all of them, what, what he suggested, but um, uh, then he also mentions this factor of a longer day, which, which he has observed uh, mm. and, and in a lot of experiments. Yeah, it's interesting. Isn't it? Well, we'll see how that turns out for the 2018 harvest. Well, we um, we should draw this to a close, Martin. Thank yeah. you so much for your time today. Uh, 
wonderful visit, great hospitality. There'll be photographs and video alongside this podcast, listeners. And uh, Martins, I wish you best of luck for the harvest, and let's see how 2018 yeah, turns out. Thank you. you.